This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey parents, welcome to another episode, the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. As always, uh, I'm here with Dr. Michael Gurry, and I'm Tim Wright. And uh, my job is to ask the questions. Michael's job is the hard one, answer the questions. And uh, we're going to do that again today with another question that we received. We got this question, by the way, uh, sent to us. And uh, Michael, did this come to you personally or did this come through our website? Uh, This came personally, I think. Okay. And uh, you can send us questions through your website, our our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, or on our Facebook page. Just go to Wonder of Parenting on Facebook, hit join, and we'll let you in. And you can ask all kinds of questions there. And sometimes I'll pick questions up from that that site. Um, We have, uh, as I mentioned here, a really interesting question. And um, it's uh, similar in in some ways to some questions we've answered in the past about boundaries and discipline and so on, but it also raises some other unique issues, and that's why we wanted to to tackle this question with you today. Um, We're able to do this because we've got two sponsors who make it possible for us to come to you week after week. Uh, The first is the Center of Place of Hope. You can find out more about them on wonderofparenting.com. We've got a link to their organization up there in the Seattle area. Lots of great resources, book resources. Uh, I'm sure there's some online resources, and they've got a clinic as well. If you're struggling with anything, please go to uh, the Center of Place of Hope and find out more about the great things that they can offer you and your family. And then if you've got boys... Uh, and they're they're struggling. Uh, Michael's good friends over at the Ford School can help. Yeah, the Ford School's in Tennessee, uh, rural Tennessee, Benton, Tennessee, and um, right on a river. Great grounds, great facility, very boy friendly. It's for boys struggling um, who are fourteen to seventeen, so it's that age group, and uh, it's six to six weeks to eight weeks in that range of um, residential care, so therapy and help for them. Um, and that's the Forge School, and you can l- learn more about them at wonderofparenting.com. So I've titled this The Daughter Who Went Behind Her Parents' Back, and you're going to see what she did here in just a moment. It raises some very interesting issues. So here's the question. This comes from a dad. Uh, I've been trying to ensure that I raise my daughter the best way possible. In trying to do this, I purchased your book, meaning Michael's book, off of Amazon, The Minds of Girls. Uh, I need some advice. I have a nine-year-old daughter who is an only child. I grew up with a male sibling and was raised predominantly by our father. I have no reference point on how to raise a daughter. I believe I am close to my daughter, but not really her playmate. Her mother would tend to have that role. What is of concern to me is as follows. She snuck in an outfit that both my wife and I feel sexualizes her, and she wore it to school. She said she borrowed it from a friend. I was very disappointed and upset and have not really decided on a long-term strategy on how to deal with it yet. Uh, her mom is a yeller, and we are typically not on the same page with discipline. I tend to want to be more logical and analyze the cause behind her behavior so that I can pinpoint more of a permanent fix. What are your thoughts or advice? All right, a lot of stuff going on there. 
Yeah, it's so I read this um, and it really touched my heart because there I was a dad who had daughters and, um, you know, a young dad. And I didn't really know much about daughters. You know, I can just totally feel his heart in this. Um, so I'm going to attack this in, a, in various ways. Um, uh, number one, it's neat that they're on the same page. So they both can tell that this is too sexualized for a nine-year-old, and and that's really good because that's a that's a huge challenge these days. Of course, that kids that tweens are already trying to sexualize because that's what they're modeling um, off music and media and digital, etc. So this is absolutely the right time to start talking to this girl about this and for both mom and dad to come at it from their bi-strategic way right they're clearly bi-strategic parents which means they use different strategies and he said that uh, they use different strategies to parent and um, uh, so in their bi-strategic way it's crucial that they lay out for their daughter what's going on here now at nine um, she probably knows the birds and the bees she's probably uh, or 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 will because they'll bring it up so they'll then use this as a teaching moment to try to explain to her why it's not good from their various points of view for her, her body like I'm guessing she wore very tight shorts right that that were way pushed up into her private areas because um, uh, at nine I, you know she's, she's just going to be probably skinny as a rail but but something like that and they got to point that out and say well no from our point of view, here's what happens, you know, and they, they lay it out each in their own way. And, um, and that's absolutely very, very important. So that would be topic number one. Topic number two would be, I don't think they need to overreact though. I don't think they need to, I think they can just see this as a teaching moment because she's nine. She will have modeled this from somewhere. And, um, uh, at nine, I doubt, unless she's been sexually abused, I doubt she is sexualized yet right? If she's been sexually abused, different topic. Let's assume she hasn't. So, um, so this is just experimental and modeling and they just kind of correct it now. Uh, and then they, they use it as a teaching moment. They don't, they don't really need to, um, uh, you know, punish her or ground her or, or put this into the discipline system. If this is just this one experiment, um, if there's a pattern or something that would be different, but I think this is just a great teaching moment. And then the third thing I would say is um, that I would love to see this dad, now that the child is, is nine, let's say, I'd love to see the dad do more in the playmate category. He said, well, I'm not the playmate, the mom is. We're not exactly sure what that means, but I, I, I it was very important like to me as, as a dad, as they were becoming pre-adolescent and adolescent, I knew that they were entering a realm, female adolescence, where I would be even further away in some ways, right? Because mm -hmm. I didn't live female adolescence. It's not the biology or the neurobiology that I lived as a boy. So I was going to, you know, there's ways in which Gail and Godmother Pam were going to relate to them, and I, I wouldn't have those opportunities. So I made sure to coach them at soccer. I made sure to, you know, kick the soccer ball around with them, try to teach them tennis, to do things with them where I was the the playmate in the sense of organized sports. Um, I took my daughters like to the river and we sat by the river and meditated and I, I taught them things that way. And, and I, it's really important for the dad to be really involved 
with this 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old, um, there are ways in which that pre-adolescent and adolescent girl really needs the dad. So I would, you know, I would love to see him uptick, if he could, the relating and the playmate and all of that. And not, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to want to touch her. I mean, that's very common as she buds into adolescence and puberty, right? He's not going to want to touch her, of course. But there's all these other ways to, to play. And I'd love to see an uptick of that. Yeah, so so uh, just clarify a little bit. He's not going to want to touch her. Um, talk a little bit about what you mean with that versus, say, hugging her and kissing her and those kinds of things. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, yeah, depending on how affectionate this family is, um, right. you know, there's certain parts of the world where, yeah, absolutely, they're going to hug and the kiss. Uh, but in terms of playing, he's not going to pick her up anymore, maybe, maybe and wrestle with her because, you know, he's going to be afraid of accidentally touching her breasts or touching some, making her uncomfortable. So right. if it hasn't happened at nine, at a certain point, that happens with dads and daughters, right? You know, like 10, 11, 12, whenever puberty starts. Um, uh, but I'm glad you made the distinction. Affe- affection, hugging, Kissing on the cheek, you know, in many cultures, uh, yeah. when they see each other, yeah, all of that stuff—that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what are some things? Uh, it's it's such an interesting question, uh, you know, for a, a guy like this dad who didn't really have a lot of female influence in his life. That's not usually the case. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to figure out his daughter, uh, and we get this question often with moms, you know, who don't really understand their sons. We don't get it as often from dads trying to understand their daughters. So what are some things, three or four things off the top of your head uh, that maybe come from your book? What, what does he need to know about his daughter? What do we as dads need to know about our daughters? Okay, I'm going to answer that. And I'm going to say this one thing before I forget it, which is that for someone like this, especially anyone who has like these wonderful questions about raising a daughter, raising a son, we have an online course. If they go, if, if folks go to gurianinstitute.com, and just look over the products page, there's a parent online course. It's six hours of video content. Wow. And it includes an hour coaching session with me as part of the course. Um, and so I'm going to put in a plug for that because because any of our listeners might really get a lot out of it. And especially someone who who is is parenting a child, you know, and they're like, I don't really understand. What, what do I do? So I'm putting in a plug. Um, uh all right, so a few things for a dad to know. Ask me the question again. I just strayed. It's, yeah, well, just were great. Four yeah, things, three or four things, right? That 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 men or dads need to know about their daughters, which is a big, broad question because you might ask, well, at what point? But what are some things, generally speaking, 
Or maybe say it another way. What do daughters need from their dads? Is that a better question? Yeah, daughters need, uh, they need strong, authoritative, but not authoritarian parenting from the dad. Um, Even if it's a divorced dad, they they don't need the dad to be their friend. Um, They need the dad to be a dad. So I would say that's a big number one. Um, because that's part of how they're going to develop the frontal lobe connections. That's part of how they're going to uh, make good executive decisions. That's part of how they're going to take good risks. That's part of how they're going to learn boundaries. Uh, all these things that they need to learn. Uh, so that would be number one. Be a dad. You can be friendly, obviously, but be a dad. You know, not a, a best friend. Be a dad. The second thing is that the child in relating to the dad, the girl in relating to the dad, is going to learn a lot about how to do relationship later. And of course, everyone in the media they joke about daddy issues, right? Okay. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. If if the between the, whatever is happening between father and daughter, uh, uh, a lot of that can get mirrored later. So as father is relating to daughter, it's really helpful if the father, while being a dad. Is, is helping the daughter to express herself and what she's going through with him. So what she's going through with her friends, what she's going through in school, so that some of her voice is voice that um, bounces off of the male, right? Bounces off of the dad. Um, I think it's so important for dads to help daughters express themselves. Number three, it's crucial that dads help daughters to problem solve. And, um, and that includes relationally. So we've talked before about how, how important it is to listen and, and then how important it is to stop the daughter from doing the negative rumination, the whining or the complaining. And, you know, at a certain point, say, OK, I got that. I understand that you were hurt by that, um, by this person or that person. And, um, you know, now what do you want to do about it? What's the new boundary you want to set? How do we how do you problem solve this? in your next relationship. So that's a really great thing dads can give daughters because dads are generally often, as this guy says, they are logical and they want to analyze. And I put that more in neurobiological terms. This, the problem solving part of their brain is gets excited when they're in emotional contact. And a lot of the energy goes to the problem solving part of the brain. So let's use that as an asset. So I think dads need to do that with daughters. Um, and then fourthly, the father needs to pass on to the daughters uh, some of his purpose and some of his skill set. Um, you know, if, if he likes fixing cars, let's let's be teaching the daughter how to fix cars, right? He needs to uh, pour, I'm, you know, you say this wonderful thing about how the dad needs to pour his masculinity into his child. And However, people define that. I'm gonna. I think masculinity is very important, and I'll also add skill set. I'll add his life purpose. He needs to pour some of that into his daughter, and that means he's gonna need to spend time with her, doing things with her, that um, pour some of that life purpose in. And um, uh, that's four. You know, there's yeah, many excellent. more, but that's four yep. good ones, I think. Excellent. So. Uh, the two other issues that were raised in this, and uh, we'll talk about the first. We just did a podcast on this uh, not too long ago, but boundaries. Uh, how, as a parent, because um, he says he hasn't figured out his strategy yet on how to deal with her, wh- what would be some things he should think about in putting a strategy together to deal with this incident? Oh, with this incident, uh, <clears throat> I think it's going to be relatively easy. It's going to be talking to her about it, like what what we were started out today with, which is they're going to talk to her about uh, 
what the sexualization is, what that means, right. where did that come from, where did you model that, that, you know, here are our values in our family, that's, that's early sexualization, we don't do that, that's not appropriate, here's why. And so it's, it's going to be that, and then, then uh, be ready that maybe she'll try it again at 10 or 11 or 12, you know, and but the message is going to get in there to her so much that she will gradually not do it. And what'll, what'll happen if she decides to do it is that when she's 15 or 16, you know, she'll sneak these highly sexualized, sexualizing clothes and she'll sneak them on when she gets in the car of her friend, you know, because she knows her parents won't let her dress that way. And okay, okay, that's going to happen. But at least the parents have for many years helped her to understand their values on it. So that, that's really how he would do do this particular incident, I think. But in terms of the overall strategy, um, uh, I, I, I really like the concept of give both love and respect, give both love and respect. So the listening and the helping her uh, to problem solve, those are respectful of her. That Right? I mean, we understand she's expressing, she's having a voice, she's explaining to me as a dad what's going on for her, and I'm helping her to problem solve. So that's kind of adult adult, you know, that's, I, I can only help someone problem solve who has the maturity for me to help problem solve. So there's some real respect there. There's a lot of love in the listening and letting her express herself. Uh, and, and there's a lot of love and respect in the teaching her in the teaching moments. And, um, you know, saying to her, you know, the reason we're doing this, right? The reason our values don't fit the way you dressed is because we want you to respect yourself and we want other people to respect you. And so that should be a theme um, uh, between parents and kids. I think it should be a really powerful theme that they come back to in the teaching moments quite a bit, uh, the child's self-respect. So, so this isn't necessarily a discipline event this is more of a teaching moment well i think so because he doesn't show any history of this this is just she just did this because she saw it somewhere yeah. and thought she'd try it and all that's well within the range of normal for a nine-year-old do a little yeah. bit of high risk do do something that looks like what we saw in an image uh see if that fits my identity because uh, she's just starting adolescent identity development at nine you know what fits my identity does this fit of course the parents are going to say no that, we're not letting that fit your identity um, you need a you need a different identity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's all since there's no pattern, it's all pretty normal, and I just would not overreact to this to come down too hard on her. Um, if the if it becomes a pattern, then okay, then we have to react. And if and by the way, if if she's she tries to highly sexualize herself constantly, we might ask as parents, has something happened to her? Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options. In stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 
um, you know, has something to happen mm-hmm. to her sexual abuse wise? We might ask that, but for one incident, no. Okay. So uh, we have we have actually dared to stick our toes into this uh, big lake of sexualized clothing uh, in the past, and in some ways, you know, to have two older white guys talk about this seems a little odd. But we're both dads, and now I'm a grandpa of of granddaughters, uh, and there's just a lot of controversy around clothing and girls in particular. What's sexualized? Mm-hmm. What's not? Who, who has the authority to say what is sexualizing and what is not. Um, and uh, so it can be really challenging. It can be challenging for parents of daughters, grandparents of granddaughters, when so much of the clothing out there, as you said, with pop stars and actors and so on, does appear to be more sexualized than maybe uh, little girls should be wearing. Um, how, do you, how do you walk through this maze as parents? And... Um, uh, you know, again, you've, you've got your daughter, you're trying to, to teach her to, to dress one way. Uh, she's got friends who are dressing another way. H- how do you get through that? Yeah, you're right. It, it is a minefield. Uh, where, I, where I think we should stand on it is that we are parents, and we are the parents of these kids. And it is our job, you know, to protect these kids as best we can. Um, and so... Um, in protecting them, we need to mentor them. We need to parent them. Uh, so I don't like, for instance, you said two old white guys. Uh, for for in terms of race, I don't think race matters to this. I mean, this is an issue, right? For all races, all sure. creeds, right? Um, and then in terms of being two guys, I think it's great that we hold this space as guys, you know, and that fathers should hold this space with their daughters. Um, not that they know it all, but that they hold this space and they help their daughters hold these lines because fathers have a unique insight into having been a 15 or 17 or 19 or whatever age male, right? And and if anyone thinks that hormones don't affect uh, male-female relationships or even male-male or female-female relationships in the high school years, you know, their heads are in the sand. Um, there'd be no science-based way to make the case that hormones don't affect our perceptions of each other. And, um, uh, and hormones are, are really raging, not at nine yet, but they start to rage, right? And it's part of human evolution. So it's the job of society to socialize kids in directing that energy they have. And um, so the energy to mate that they have, we have to help direct them, right? That is our job. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good space for fathers to hold. And, um, as you know, I, I've talked, I've told folks in this podcast about the fact that I always held that space with my girls. And if they, you know, sure, they didn't like it sometimes. I know they snuck around like I hinted. I know they did that, of course. And that's part of adolescence and risk taking and being independent. But the line was always held that they needed to respect their bodies and needed to respect their sexuality and the sexual power that they have. And, and in a sense, don't give that sexual power away. You know, you be selective, you be selective. And what I think people maybe when people politicize or, or get really angry about someone saying, well, they can't dress that way, then people will get angry about that. And they'll say, well, you should never, that's just a patriarchal thing to tell a girl right? You have no rights in that area. The girl should dress however she wants because self-expression is the most important thing for her, right? So I've heard that argument. Um, but I, I I don't buy it at all in this case. Um, 
what we're really doing with her is we're helping her to, to, to hold on to, to respect herself and hold on to her natural sexual power and sexual selectivity um, so that she can make the selections of who her mates are going to be. If she dresses in a highly sexual way, um, she's giving away a lot of that power. Uh, all that the males are focusing on are the contours of her body. That's basically what they're going to focus on. And she's going to get a, a slew of males <laughs> who are coming at her, and it's going to be very hard for her to select which one would be best for her emotionally, which one would be best for her core self, which one would be best for her future. Um, because it's all a mating dance, right? And she needs to be selective. And I explained that to my kids I because I'm an evolutionary, you know, uh, I'm a therapist who uses evolutionary biology. I was always explaining this to my daughters. And, I, you know, they almost kind of rolled their eyes at a certain point and said, yeah, yeah, we got it. Um, uh, we get evolution. We get what our power is. Yes, we're retaining our sexual power <laughs> by the time they were 16 or 17. Um, but I think it was great that they understood it from that point of view. And I've noticed in the last, like, five years, I've noticed more social thinkers talking about it, including feminists, who are yep. now arguing... Um, okay, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, if we all dress like Britney Spears, haven't we given up the power that we have as women? And and so I'm so glad that, that this is not just me saying it. Obviously, a lot of people are saying it, and you're saying it, and I think it's very important. Yeah, so I, I want to clarify here so so people understand, I think, what you're, you're saying. You are not saying that if a girl dresses provocatively or sexualizes herself— that if some guy sexually advances on her, it's her fault. That's not what you're saying. What you're saying is that no, no. she's drawing attention to certain parts of her that aren't necessarily who she really is. You want her to be able to say, this is who I am, my body, my mind, my soul, all of that. And part of that happens in the way that she dresses. Is that well, fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know that it got... I, I think maybe it's less so now, but like 10, 15 years ago, if someone like me would say it, immediately someone else would say, well, you're saying it's her fault if she's raped, right? right? Which is like so far out of reality. But then we'd have to talk about that. And so at a certain point, you know, I was just say, okay, I'm going to drop this because you're not even, we're not even talking the same language. What I'm talking about is evolutionary biology and, and female power, you know, yep. and I'm trying to help her protect her power and develop that power. Uh, and so, yeah, um, rape is a criminal act. It's outside of this discussion. Um, I'm talking about these dynamics that are that constantly go on, and that are hormonally charged. So that so that if she dresses a certain way, she's got twenty, you know, fifty, whatever, twenty guys. I won't exaggerate. Twenty guys who are all looking at her and assessing her body. That is mm -hmm. all they're going to see, you know? Right. So you've said it very well. They're not seeing the core self. They're not seeing the inner beauty. They're not seeing her intelligence. They're not seeing anything. And it, it really, it's like feminism that backfired upon itself when when a group of feminists for a while, again, I don't think they're doing it now, but a group of feminists for a while said, no, in fact, it shows women's power if they wear very skimpy clothing and they show off, you know, that they're they're ready for sex at any moment, right? That that actually enhances female power. And I, I've always argued that is incorrect. Um, it just depletes female power uh, because of that laser focus that the males will have on that one element mm -hmm. of the self. And so, you know, 
then I think that spirals into a lot of lack of self-respect because she's not going to be getting the feedback from the external world. She's not going to get the feedback for the core self, for the whole self, for her intelligence, all these other things. She's not going to get feedback on those. She's going to just keep getting feedback on her breasts, right? Or her butt mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's that just depletes her power, in my opinion. So part of what parents, these parents want to do is uh, instill in her values that that uh, really make her strong and that um, give her a sense of confidence in who she is as a whole person. Absolutely. That's that's what she wants to. She, she can have style. Every person should have style, you know? Yeah. Like my two daughters each had a different style and, and they that's actually that's part of their identity and independence. They have their style. But it doesn't have to be this. Because mm -hmm. this is not their style. This is now they've joined a, a mob of, of I'm going to show you the contours of my body and that's what I'm going to be reduced to. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's, that's not a style. That's this particular thing that depletes their power. Well, as always, Michael, such good stuff. A lot of stuff to think about there. Sure, appreciate it. We appreciate the question, mm -hmm. uh, Dad, for writing in. We don't get a lot of dads writing in, but when they do, they're always good questions. Uh, and so, dads, feel free to, to send a question to us, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, or go to our Facebook group. Got a number of dads on there as well. Uh, just uh, type in Wonder of Parenting in the search and hit join, and we'll, we'll let you in. Uh, it's been yeah. good to have you with us again, Michael. Oh, thank you. You're right. Thanks for these wonderful questions, everyone. Yep. Thanks, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.